Would you turn to 1 Samuel this morning? 1 Samuel, the second chapter. We've been talking for some weeks about um, reverence and glory. And our text here, we've looked at numerous times, is 1 Samuel 2, verse 30. It says, the last part of it, them that honor me, God's talking, them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Say that out loud. Them that honor me, I will honor. Who's talking? God's talking. They that despise me, he said, shall be lightly esteemed. Now we're talking about reverence, honoring God, reverencing God, the fear of God, and glory. You see both of those in this verse. Who is he going to honor? Those that honor him. What if you honor him a little bit? He's able to honor you a little bit. What if you honor him not at all? Then that's that next phrase. Those that despise me. Now people say, well, I don't despise God. Well, you have to understand what the word means. If you look it up and look at how it's used in the scriptures. When we say despise, we think today modern usage almost terms of disdain and disgust. But in the Bible, to despise something could be as simple as ignoring it. Simply ignoring it. In fact, in Malachi, it's some interesting reading on the same subject. He tells them that they have uh, despised him. And they say, where have we despised you? And you've stolen from me. And they said, where did we steal from you? They were acting like they weren't aware. And it was by ignoring and treating his things as though they were of little importance. That is what the Bible calls despising God and his things. And I've heard, I mean among preachers, I've heard among Christians talking about the church. The church, I'm thinking about this one thing a while back. The church needed, not our church, thank the Lord, but the church, a church needed some certain things, some equipment, and somebody brought in some more wore out junk from their house, and they said, well, that's good enough for the church. Well, that's despising the things of the Lord, isn't it? That is, you know, you would, it's not good enough for your house, but it's just good enough for the Lord's things. Well, that mentality is much more prevalent than we like to think, isn't it? I mean, people will get up early and they'll be on time for their job and for their presentation and for their meeting, but they'll drag in 20 minutes late for church. It ain't no big deal. It's just church. Hmm? Their money, they'll be sharp with their money and do it right and what they need to in their business. But in the church, it's kind of like if I want to, I'll put a dollar in there. And if I don't, ain't no big deal. It's just church. Just. That word tells a lot, doesn't it? Just church time. Just the service. They're just singing. They're just this. He's just preaching. Yeah, he goes on and on. (laughs) Just. 
just. No, no, it's not just God. It's God. It's his things. And we are to honor his things. That means we are to value them and treat them as important. More important than other things. In fact, it's the key to your success and your prosperity. Isn't it? Matthew 6.33, seek ye first your children's well-being. Hmm? Your house payment, your stuff, your insurance. No, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness then. All these things, and he was talking about clothes and housing and food and all that. All these things will be added to you. He's going to get involved in your material provision when and if you put him first. So he said, I will honor them that honor me. Now, we said one of the greatest ways he honors us is with his presence. Whether it's in our church service or whether it's in your house. To have God manifest round about you. Yeah, he's in you. He's there all the time. But he can manifest himself to you in a very real way. You can sense his presence. Well, presence of God, presence of the Holy Spirit. You're saying the same thing. Manifestation of his glory. You're saying the same thing. Who does he do this more for? Where does the Holy Spirit manifest himself more? Where he is desired and respected and honored. Could we initiate an increase of the manifest presence of God in our services in this church? In your home, in your living room, in your car? Can we? How? By learning how to honor him more than he will honor us more. Go with me, if you would, to Romans, please. Romans, the first chapter. Now, we talked about some things, I guess it was two weeks ago now, that I'd like to pick up on and expand upon. We read the scripture in Proverbs where it said, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll direct your paths. And so we talked about acknowledging God. That is one area and a big way of honoring him, acknowledging him. And this goes further with that thought, Romans 1 and 16. Romans 1, 15, let's read it, goes together here. It says, I, as much as in me is, Romans 1, 15, I am ready To preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Say that first sentence in verse 16 out loud. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Go with me to the 10th chapter of Romans, please. Just over a few pages to chapter 10. And a passage that is very familiar to many. Romans 10, 8, 9, 10, 11. These verses we've known as uh, some people call it the 
part of the Roman road and how to lead people to the Lord. And this is the kind of the culmination here that you uh, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and, and be saved and be born again. But notice what goes along with this. Romans 10, 9. He said, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Now, let's just stop right here. If you'll do what? Confess. Confess. With your mouth. This is audible. Verbal audible confession with your mouth. The Lord Jesus. Now you know we, we say sometimes we'll change it and say that Jesus is Lord. Well that's right. But it's not exactly the way it said here. You confess what? It involves more than just making that statement. You confess him and shall believe in your heart. So it's not just empty words. You really believe what you're saying. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Well, what if you don't believe in a literal physical Raising of the dead, a miracle. You go, well, I mean, it's symbolic. You know, people haven't literally physically raised from the dead. When you're dead, you're dead. And it's spiritual symbolism. Then that means you don't believe it. It means you're not saved. I know folk don't like it that black and white, but that's just the truth. You got to believe this. Some things, you know, you can be saved and not believe in healing. You can be saved and not speak in tongues. You can be saved and, you know, be confused or or miss a lot of things or not believe a lot of things. But this is not optional. (laughs) I'm talking about just making it to heaven. Just being saved. You have to believe this and do this. But it's more than just saying a quick confession, Jesus is Lord. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Keep reading. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture said, whosoever believes on him shall what? Shall not be ashamed. Now, There's two things I can see in that verse. And, of course, the Word of God is alive. Somebody says, well, it means this. And somebody says, well, no, it means this. Well, it can mean both. One individual said it like this. He said, uh, Bible truth is like climbing a mountain. You climb the south side, you got one view. You climb the north side, you got a total different view. But it's the same mountain. And there are other views too. And sometimes people, they think their little bit of light they got out of that verse, well, that's what it means. Well, that may be true, but that doesn't mean that's all it means. Amen. And it's alive. Yes. The Word of God is living and alive. How many know something that's living and alive? Every day you can see different facets of it. Different why? It's alive. It's alive. And the Word of God is alive. Well, here he says, whoever... Believes on him shall what? Not be ashamed. Say not ashamed. Not ashamed. ashamed. Now the uh, ninth chapter, if you just turn back uh, the ninth chapter in the 33rd verse. 
9.33, he said, As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, and a rock of what? Offense. And whosoever believeth on him shall what? Not be ashamed. Why would he have to keep saying, and the Spirit of God saying it through him, We see three times here in just a few chapters apart about not being ashamed, not being ashamed, not being ashamed. Whoever believes on him will not be ashamed. One understanding of that is that you won't be disappointed, but that's not all it means. If you look at this 933, you'll see people are offended at him and ashamed of him. And don't confess him. And don't believe him. Go with me back in the gospel account. Please to the, uh, let's see. We'll go first to the book of Luke. The ninth chapter. Christianity has been portrayed for centuries now. As a weak man's crutch. You know, I mean, in the old westerns, the preachers would hide under the wagons with the women and children while the real men, cussing, drinking, smoking, chewing men, real men, fight the enemy. Hmm? And uh, even today, Christians are viewed so many times. As weaklings, people who need the crutch of religion. And nothing could be further from the truth. It, to be a real Christian, requires real courage. I said real courage. Because you're talking about following in the footsteps of the bravest man who ever walked the planet. There has never been anybody any stronger or more courageous or more fearless than Jesus. It's annoying the portrayals religion does of Jesus. Some of the pictures people paint of him. It's pitiful. It's not him. I said it's not him. When you see him. You'll know. Ah, He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Oh, he said, come learn of me. I'm meek, lowly of heart, completely humble, completely devoid of pride and self-seeking ego and interest. But stand and look the devil in the eye. Face wind and waves and storms and demons and death itself. Come on now. And not blink an eye. And to be a Christian is to follow him. And it takes courage. And it still takes courage in this life. We live in this country a blessed life. We're not persecuted To the degree that others are in other places. And yet, we still got some persecution. And 
It intensifies according to how far you go. <laughs> uh, if you just want to, you know, go to church once in a while and not be very committed, not walk by faith very much, well, you won't have too much trouble. <laughs> but if you're just going to completely commit to God and live by faith every day, then you will incur some persecution. And your identification with him will be pressured. Will be pressured. And you will be tempted to be ashamed. Now you may think, well, not me. Not ever. That's what Peter thought. And you won't make it by assuming that you're so strong you can't be shaken and can't be tempted There'll need to be a real assessment of what this is and what it means. In Luke 9, are you there? We talked a couple of weeks ago about how do you honor the Lord? You honor Him by acknowledging Him. Another way of saying it today, you honor Him by confessing Him. Confessing the Lord Jesus. Now that word confession involves more than just acknowledging and assenting. It involves identification. In fact, one of the words, uh, one of the definitions for confess is covenant. It's interesting, isn't it? What do you mean confess? and co- Well, you'll see in just a moment. Luke 9 and 26. Luke 9 and 26, Jesus said, whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words shall be what? There's that word again, ashamed of me and my words of him shall the son of man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. Sometimes people haven't wanted to talk as much about this. But what if we succumb to pressures of people around about us? They want to make us feel odd or uncomfortable because we believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in healing miracles. We believe in prosperity. Hmm? We believe in the good news and all of it we know. Could you ever be pressured? To feel uncomfortable. Could you ever be pressured to back off? To be ashamed? Yeah? But is it okay if you succumb to it and yield to it and clam up or back off? Is it okay? It is not okay at all. Will the Lord understand? Apparently not. Read the verse again. What did he say? If you're ashamed of me. And my words, now Matthew says it like this, in this evil and adulterous generation, if you're ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. Jesus ashamed of you. That's a bad thought, isn't it? Jesus ashamed of me. May it never be. But how are we going to prevent that? 
that we are not ashamed of him here and now in front of people. It takes courage. I said it takes courage. And you need to know what you know. And be sure about what you believe. And when it says you confess the Lord Jesus, yes, it involves confessing him as Lord of your life. But it goes beyond that. It is a confession of identification with him. Do you confess him? Yes, I do. Are you his? Yes, I am. You're one of those. Absolutely. (laughs) And it doesn't make any difference if it's politically incorrect, if it's unpopular, if it becomes illegal or dangerous or life-threatening. This is a real Christian. If it means facing death, then that's what it means. There's been numerous times in history where people were facing the sword, they were facing a firing squad, they were facing the lions, and all they had to do was recant and say, no, I don't, all that Christian stuff, that's just somebody's imaginary idea. No, I don't believe in it. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) I want to live. I recant. No, no, Hebrews tells us. About Hebrews 11, about people who passed these tests and people who refused deliverance. They said, "Uh uh-uh, if getting away from this execution means denying Christ, then no. I am a Christian. I confess the Lord Jesus. Can you see what we're talking about here? I identify with him. I am his. He is mine. No matter what it costs me. I'm not changing. Now, that's not for cowards. That's not for the weak. That takes somebody who's not even afraid of dying. Not not even afraid of death. And thank God in Christ you can be completely delivered from all your fears. Including the fear of death. Mm -mm -mm. Look in the 12th chapter of Luke. Luke 12 and 8. Do you see the truth we're talking about today? How do we honor him? How do we honor him? We honor him by acknowledging him in all of our ways. Everything we do. Not hiding him, acknowledging him. We honor him by confessing him in the face of uh, pressure to be ashamed of him. We refuse to be ashamed. Of him ever in front of anybody. Hmm? Kings, presidents, famous people. We don't change and start hiding our Christianity because we're around somebody the world thinks is famous. We don't change what we believe about him and start trying to hide it or cover it. When we're around people that's supposed to have a lot of money or a lot of influence. Now, you don't go trying to shove Jesus down people's throat and they don't want to hear about it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're on the spotlight. They look at you and go, you don't believe all that stuff, do you? (laughs) Hadn't thought about it to just now, but somebody did that to me this week. (laughs) Well, they didn't know, but they was in the presence of one of the worst ones. (laughs) As far as that was concerned. (laughs) <laughs> that's maybe that's not the best way to say it, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Now I'm in it, not just up to my eyes, over my head. Yeah. 
And make no apology. Make no apology. Why? Because this is identifying with him. The Christ. And he said, if you're ashamed of me. And before men, down here and now, in front of people, I'll be ashamed of you. Before the Father. This is something we need to understand. The 12th chapter and the 8th verse. Luke 12 and 8. Jesus said, I say to you, whosoever shall confess me, where? Where? That's here and now. That's in front of people. Before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denies me, where? Before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemes against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto the magistrates and powers or authorities, take no thought how or what thing you shall answer or what you shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in that same hour what you ought to say. Can you see the picture here? What's the picture? You are put on the hot seat. You are put under the gun, under the microscope. You are pressured. What are you going to say? And you are being tempted to be ashamed of him and to deny him. How do we honor him in that situation? By confessing him. By claiming him. Let me read that definition we were talking to you about just a moment ago. The word confession that's used here in these passages. uh, It means... Not only to acknowledge and assent, but it means to covenant. This is Vine's definition. Conveys the thought of confessing allegiance to Christ as one's master and Lord. And his acknowledgement of the faithful one being his worshiper and servant, his loyal follower. Confession in this case, equals covenant. In order, the Lord loves us. He loves everybody on the planet. He doesn't love everything they're doing and saying, but He loves them. God so loved the whole world that He gave Jesus. And the Bible said He is the Savior of all men. Then it goes on to say, especially of them that believe. What does that mean? He's not willing that any should perish, but he's got to have something from us in order to claim us. In order for him to claim us in heaven, in the kingdom of God to come before the Father God, in order for him to have a right to do that, we got to claim him here. Don't we? We've got to claim him and confess him here and now. And it is no small thing. I think some people have, you know, left, uh, they've treated it lightly. Yeah, just confess Jesus is Lord. And no, this is a big deal. I said, this is a big deal. This changes your life completely. Forever. You're changing families in the earth. This is not just lifelong. This is for eternity. Baptism. Baptism. 
is an indicator of it. That you're, the old man is buried and dead and you're raised to newness of life and you do this in front of your people, in front of your family, in front of your friends, in front of the whole community. It is an identification with him, isn't it? And you're standing up saying, I'm one of his. <laughs> and you say it in front of people. Don't care who sees it and knows it. And if it costs you, then it costs you. You do that, and it gives him a right to claim you in front of the Father. How many know on that day, you are going to want to hear him say, that's one of mine. Hmm? That's Susie. I know her. She's mine. Because the Bible said there will be some in that day, even people that did works in his name, and he'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Friend, nothing is going to, I don't care how many awards you got down here and trophies and how many papers and magazines you got your picture in and how much money you made and who thought you were wonderful. None of it is going to even be anybody's remembrance on that day. Only one thing is going to matter. He says, Bob, John, Susie. Tina, Jane, they're mine. I know them. They are mine. And Jesus is calling your name and claiming you in front of the Father God, in front of the throne. In front of the mighty angels of God. What's that going to do to you? You're going to go, that's right, that's right. (laughs) That's right. I'm his. But tell me, tell me, what gives him a right to do that? Because you, here and now, claimed and confessed him. Now, there are different ideas of thought. People say, well, you know, maybe you'll get a chance to receive Jesus after this life some way or another. Said who? Where? How? If that's so, then it eliminates being saved by faith. No, every indication I've ever seen in every part of the word I've ever read is that you don't confess him now, you don't get an opportunity to after this life. How many glad that you claim him now? You confess him now. Jesus is my Lord, my Savior. I identify with him. I am his, and he is mine. Now, It's easy to sit up in the church house in heated comfort, in padded chairs, with Bibles all around you, huh? And folk amening and praising God all around you. But you're not always here, are you? You're in other places, places where you may be the only believer. Look with me in... um, Matthew, the 26th chapter. Matthew 26. While you're turning there, let me remind you of this. Jesus said more than one occasion, Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. You remember that phrase? Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. 
One time he said this was when John the Baptist, who acknowledged Jesus in front of everybody publicly, you know, the day that he was baptized. and Well, a couple of times. Uh, but the first time when he saw him coming down the road and he said, the, the Lamb of God. And miracles and great things had happened. And now he's sitting in jail, cold and alone. And he's been there for some time. And it's apparently messed with him. And he, see, he tells his disciples, go back to Jesus and ask him, are you really the one? Well, he's the one said he was the one. But before you come down on him now, you weren't sitting in that cold, stinky cell where he was. <laughs> For all, you weren't getting what he was getting. So let's don't judge him. But he sends back and says, are you really him? Or should we look for somebody else? And it's easy to say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I'm his. He's mine. Yes, I'm 100% Jesus. It's fine as long as it's not costing you anything. But while they were there, they saw blind eyes open. They saw the lame walk and the dumb talk. They saw healings and deliverances. And he said, you go tell John what you saw. You tell him that you saw blind eyes open and deaf ears open and and lame walk. And you tell him, blessed is he who's not offended in me. Oh, did you hear that, friend? What's he telling him? Don't be ashamed of me. I know it's costing you. But don't be. Now, this is the suffering that the Bible is talking about. Not suffering. From the curse of the law? Hmm? This is a suffering according to the will of God. He's following God's plan for his life. He's not in sin. No indication that he's sick. It's not a matter of him just being broke. He's in jail. Why? Because of what he preached. I said because of what he preached. Is it so that. What we preach could get us in trouble. How about you? What you say. The meetings you go to. The people you hook up with and are part of. Is it possible it could get you in trouble? Hmm? Is it okay to play it safe? And be a coward? And anytime anybody is under the spotlight, you unhook from them. And back off from them and put some distance between you and them. No. So as you don't get burned if they get burned. No. <laughs> you know, when Jesus went to the cross, he told them. In fact, I'm here instead of me quoting it. Let's just read it. In uh, Matthew 26. Verse 31. Matthew 26, 31. Jesus said to them. All ye this night shall be what? Offended because of me this night. Now, I don't know if you remember, but it's been months ago. We talked about offense at the church. And being offended, I mean, I wish it didn't, but it happens virtually every day. It just happens entirely too much in churches and among church folk. There's people this morning's not here because they're offended. Offended at, at what? At, 
Offended means get your feelings hurt, get mad, get upset. But if you look up the word, it means to stop believing in. To stop trusting in someone you should still be trusting in. Stop believing in somebody you should still be believing in. And you know one of the big reasons why people get offended and they stop believing in people, they stop trusting in people, simply because they don't understand why they did this or why they didn't do this. I don't understand. Well, listen to your own words. What does that mean? All that proves is that there's something you don't understand. (laughs) You said it out of your own mouth. But because you don't understand something, is that a just cause to stop believing in somebody? To stop trusting them? This happened with Jesus. Now, since it happened with Jesus... No need for me and you to fall off our chair if somebody gets offended at us and stops believing in us because we're certainly not better than him. But how many remember one day he preached a message on you got to eat my flesh and you got to drink my blood. You remember that? Oh, man. And the meetings were going so good up to that. The crowds were huge. And the meetings were going so good, and they just could not understand why he would say that. And they were offended at him, the Bible said, and they left by the thousands and did not return. Were they justified in not trusting in him anymore or believing in him? Why? Had he failed them some way? What was it? They didn't understand what he meant by that. Well, when you leave, how are you ever going to find out? <laughs> huh? When you unhook and you go away. Now, you know, no need you and I pointing any fingers or judging anybody else. Because all of us have probably done this at some time, some way. We got, got miffed, got our feelings hurt, got disillusioned, got annoyed, got angry about something we didn't understand. I just don't understand why they did that that way or why they didn't do that way. Yeah, you're getting offended and you're stopping believing. And here's the thing is, people like, well, you know, that's just with the people. No, people do that with Jesus and sometimes don't realize that if he told a person to do or not do something, you're not really offended with them. You're offended with him. And don't realize it because he's the one was directing them. Now, he said, all of you will be offended because of me this night. We can see from later texts, they didn't believe it. What is he telling them? All of you are going to be shaken in your identification with me. You're going to be ashamed of me. And you're going to unhook from me tonight. And they all said, no, uh uh-uh, no, no, Jesus, me and you, (laughs) covenant, brothers, Uh uh-uh, I'll die for you. Hmm? Did they? 
Come on, help me. Have you read the story? What'd they do? They ran. They ran. Cowered over behind the bushes and around the corners of buildings. They ran. This is what it means to be a real Christian now. It takes strength not to cave. It takes courage to stand and hold on to what you believe in. Right? When it's unpopular or even illegal or even dangerous to your life. Doesn't it? Friend, in a few more breaths, a few more days, this life's going to be over anyhow. Right? One way or another. It's coming quick. And more you're going to wish when this one is done that you had stood up like a man. That you'd stood up like a woman of God and said, I don't care who sees and who knows, I believe in Jesus. I confess the Lord Jesus. He's mine. I'm his. I believe. You believe in all those miracles? Every word. Every word. You don't tell you stand there and tell me, an educated person, that you really believe somebody was born without a human father. I believe it with every cell of my being. It happened. Telling me a man was stone cold dead for three days. All the blood's out of his body. He's been scourged. He's been crucified. He's been stabbed with a spear. And he come up out of the grave and walked away. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. The Holy Ghost fell on them and they all spoke with tongues and languages they had never learned before. Yes. Still do it today. Yes. But now see, it's easy to believe it in here. Keep reading. He said, all of you be offended because of me tonight. It's written, I'll smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered abroad. After I'm risen again, I'll go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, though all men shall be offended because of you, yet will I never be offended. (laughs) Tradition tells us that Peter was a man's man. Fisherman all his life. He's got big, strong hands. He's a big, burly guy. You know, he's a a rough and tough guy. He can take it. He can handle it. And he stood up and said, "Uh uh-uh, Jesus. Nope. I mean, this whole bunch may run and turn yeller, but not me. I'm your man. I will die with you, bro. I think he meant it. I said, I think he meant it. But it's easy to talk at the Passover table with lamb in your mouth and your buddies around the table singing hymns. He was packing heat. He had his blade, didn't he? I mean, he was ready to carry it out. And how many know when it all started going down, what did he do? He did not run. He whipped out his blade. Didn't he? He stood toe to toe with them. But see, he wasn't counting on the rest of it. That would have been easy. To die right then in combat. But when Jesus says stop. Put your blades up. 
This cup the Father's given me. I got to take it. And they realized he's going to let them take him. And they were disillusioned and they thought, what? This can't be. He's the master. He's the son of God. It can't be. Can't be, but it was. Now get this. And they didn't understand. Are y'all with me now? They didn't understand why he wasn't fighting. Why he wasn't helping them. Why he was doing what he was doing and why he wasn't doing what they thought he should be doing. They didn't understand. And did it come to pass that all of them became offended because of him? That's right. They ran. They hid. Peter out there. Let's read the rest of it, then we'll describe it. Though all men shall be offended because of you, yet will I never be offended. Now, how many understand this is pride? I know he thought he was just showing his commitment. But when Jesus, the head of the church, the master, looks at you and tells you, tonight all of you is going to be offended, you don't get in his face and say, uh-uh, you're wrong. (laughs) You just don't know me, Jesus. Well, yes, he does. (laughs) That's the deal. Oh, Jesus, I don't care what you say. I'm not failing you. I'm with you to the end. No, what's it time to do when the master says all of you is going to become offended and ashamed of me tonight? It's time to hit your knees and go, God, God, what can I do? Well, he told them something they could do. Watch and pray. Didn't he? And so what did they do? Of course, they took a nap. (laughs) And were not ready. And it caught them by surprise. And the pressure was greater than they imagined it would be. Friends, we are living in the last days. We've enjoyed a lot of freedom in this country. We haven't been persecuted that much for our faith. But things can change. I said things can change. I know you don't want to hear it. But they can change much worse than now. And you and I need to be ready and prepared. Don't we? We need to have made the confession covenant commitment. And we need to be completely unashamed of him at the workplace, at school. Uh, how many know when they told Daniel they passed a law that nobody can pray to anybody except the king? Daniel went right up there and threw the windows open and prayed several times a day just like he always had, right? Three times a day like he always had. And he got arrested. Thrown in the lion's den. But God's in the lion's den too. He just took the thing and turned it out to glorify God. And we teach our children about it in in their classes now, don't we? He said, Peter said, never. Verse 34, Jesus said, Verily I say to you, this night before the cock crow, you'll deny me three times. Verse 35, what did Peter do? Though I should die with you, I will not deny you. And all the rest of the disciples jumped in and said the same thing. Yeah, us too. Uh Uh-uh, Jesus, we are with you to the death. See, you got my blade right here, man. I'm packing. I'm ready. No. It was different when it all went down than they thought it would be. And they all ran. 
And Peter stood out there by the fire, didn't he? You know, one thing, there was one man that went all the way with Jesus. John. Have you read it? I got so much respect for him. How many understand at the cross where the women went out there crying about it? Guess who else was there? He was the only man. He was standing right out there at the foot of the cross. Remember Jesus looked down and looked at Mary and said, behold your son. Talking about John. He was right there. John waited right on through. I guess he didn't care if it cost him his life. Now, apparently, he ran to begin with because it said all. (laughs) But he recovered pretty quick, didn't he? Next thing you know, there he is standing out in the middle of it. Peter wanted to. He had talked so big, you know. And he's out there in the bushes acting like a coward. And he thought, I got to do better than this. So he came and got not too close. But by the fire. Now now come on guys with me. Don't just think of this as a story that you've heard many many times. What has gone on? Jesus is not the immensely popular prophet. He is in trouble with the authorities. They're getting ready to execute him. And they just as soon execute anybody else who's around with him. And we need to stamp this Christianity thing out. And guess who are his right and left hand guys? Hmm? Peter and John. The other guys. And so that's why they ran. They did not want to be dragged with him in front of the council and executed. Their survival instinct kicked in. And it was stronger than they thought it would be. And they were ashamed to be associated with him that night. Now this is an awful thing, but it's what happened. They were ashamed of him that night. Now these things have not changed. We're still dealing with the same issues today. And you may not have dealt with it last week, but you could deal with it next week. And you got to be prepared before it comes up. That you're not trying to decide in the middle of what's going on. You've already decided. Right? You've already made up your mind. You've already decided before you get there, what are you going to do? Say it out loud. I am not not ashamed ashamed of the Lord. Lord. I am not not ashamed ashamed of the gospel. gospel. And he stood there by the fire and they said, I saw you with him. I saw you. You were out there. You're part of his crusade team. What did he say? Hmm? Mm-mm. No, no, you're mistaken. I, I don't know him. I don't know him. A few hours ago, what's he doing? Never, never, never. I will die with you. Never. And here, a few hours later, I, I, I don't know him. I, now you got me mixed up with somebody else. And somebody else spoke up and said, I know your accent. I recognize that accent. You're one of them. He said, I'm telling you, I'm not. You got me mixed up with somebody else. I am not him. And then the guy that was a relative of the man whose ear he sliced off said, I, I saw you. I know, you wanna, you're the one that whipped out the blade. You're him. He, and he started cursing, swearing, 
saying, I swear, I swear on my mama's eyes. I swear on my daddy's grave. I'm not mm, coward. I'm not trying to judge him. I'm just, I wasn't there. But how many know what you want to do instead? Do you want to do something different? No matter what it comes down to, no matter what kind of pressure is put on you, you don't, you don't deny him. You don't deny those he has raised up and chosen. You don't deny those he's joined you to. You don't deny your Christian brothers and family. Are you one of them? Huh? It's going to cost you your house. Huh? You're going to be on the street. Are you one of them? You want to rethink that now. Are you one of them? Tent dweller. Cardboard box resident. Are you one of them? Come on, I don't have enough response. Are you guys looking at me like, I like my house. Come on. Come on now. Are you one of them? You're one of those Jesusites. You're one of those tongue-talking, healing-believing, miracle-believing, prosperity-believing. Are you one of them? You want to stand up if you're one of them. We want to see who to execute. (laughs) Who's going to jail? (laughs) Say, I'm one of them. Lift up your hands to him. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm one of them. I'm his. He is mine. Oh, Father, we worship you. If you've never done this before, you need to do it. And I don't mean be quiet about it. Hold up a hand before the Lord. Open your mouth and say it loud enough for somebody beside you to hear you saying it. Say it out loud. I confess Jesus. Jesus. The Christ. The Son of the living God, King of kings, Lord of lords, soon to come again, born of a virgin, raised from the dead, soon to come again. Jesus, I am not ashamed of you. I am not offended. I believe you. I trust you. I worship you. I confess you before men. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.